morning, legends. Hope you're all doing super well on this amazing Monday, the 20th of March. Uh, happy birthday for all those people whose birthdays it is. Random call, but uh, it was mine just yesterday uh, and had a wonderful weekend down here on the peninsula. As you jump into the chat, uh, let us know that you're in there. Put your name in the chat, where you're coming in from, where you hail from, and uh, let us know what's on your mind, what you're thinking about, what's going through your head at the moment. Is there any news that's uh, particularly captivating you? Uh, You're turning off the channel. What are you looking at? Be good to know what your thoughts are on this amazing Monday morning. If you're driving, uh, drive safe, obviously video off and all that sort of jazz. What I'm going to chat with you guys about today is uh, the reason reason why I'd hate to be the head of the Fed uh, right now. And for those of you who are on the coffee chat, uh, let us know remember what the topic was about because it's going to uh, it's going to dovetail into that. Alex, great to see you. Uh, welcome. We've got uh, we've got a Facebook user in one of our groups. Uh, having a coffee with us this morning. <laughs> oh, no, I can see what's coming. Good morning, Debs. The amazing Deb Jensen's here this morning. And uh, here we go. It wasn't going to take too long before somebody was going to give me some uh, give me some grief. Yes, uh, I thought the boys might turn it on and give us a birthday win, but uh, but the Hawks got decimated by the Bombers. Congratulations. Um, I even went to the footy on. Uh, on Friday night to see Geelong play. And uh, Geelong actually got beaten by Collingwood. So it was a very unexpected round. Not saying that the Bombers winning was unexpected. But for many of you, you don't care about that. Uh, you're more interested in the, the wine man. It'll be coffee uh, this morning, mate. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit too early for that. Uh, so, team, going to chat with you about uh, the reason why I said um, why I'd hate to be the head of the Fed right now, uh, give you guys some practical tips as to what to look for over the horizon, uh, where to find some of the information to uh, to do that. Morning, Alison. Uh, so the reason why I say I'd hate to be the head of the Fed right now is many of you uh, would have been on Friday's session. If you're not, you can always go back and check it out. And we spoke a little bit about uh, bonds and how interest rates rising decrease the value of bonds if you're to sell them in the open market and also as to the reason why Silicon Valley Bank uh, ultimately uh, met its demise uh, through lack of, well, basically failing Banking 101. Uh, what we're going to run through today and what I'll take you through is a few little tidbits. Uh, oh, I've got to remember to bring up my second screen as well. Thank you, viewers, for letting me know. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to chat about today is, well, there's a lot of press going on at the moment about Credit, Credit Suisse. Uh, we can talk about that later on the week if you want, if it's something that you're interested in. Uh, but ultimately, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories going on. There's a lot of fear there out in the markets. And just want to look through some of that for a moment and give you some technical insights as to what's, what the market thinks is going on, not what the media commentators think are going on. Let me know if that would be helpful for you. Whack a yes in the chat or a why in the chat if you reckon that might be useful uh, and we'll get cracking into it. Good morning, Aaron. Great to see you. And Alexis. Lexi, good to uh, good to have you on board. All right. So letting up my second screen fuel. Uh, where is it? It is just here. 
where the inflation data is uh, for the moment and where the expectation of future interest rates are going to be and uh, chat with you. These are all just, this is a statistics discussion. Uh, everything that I'm going to take you through can be found either on the RBA website or um, some of the Bureau websites. They're all quoted here so you can have a look. But ultimately at the moment, for those of you who don't know, current cash rate in Australia is 3.6%. And you can see here it's gone on a reasonably rapid uh, increase over recent times, come down from a fairly significant height uh, back in the day in the 1990s, just post the, the bicentenary in 18, 1988. Um Anyway, what, what, what bond yields are, and I'll, I'll dovetail this back to Silicon Valley Bank and the mismanagement of bond yields, because remember we spoke about when bond prices, uh, when uh, interest rates go up, bond values come down if you want to sell them into the market. Um, they don't lose their value if you hold them. They maintain their value until maturity. So if you buy a five-year bond for a million dollars, it's worth, uh, they'll pay that million dollars back to you at the end, plus whatever the interest rate is. But if the interest rate is lower than what you could get into the in today's market, well, you probably buy a bond today instead, or you buy that other bond at what's known as a discount. So, all other things being equal, um, with banks holding large amounts of treasury deposits, and this is where I think Jerome Powell's in a bit of a tight spot right now, um, is that when we have this uh, this dynamic here of interest rate rises, and we might go to the US actually. I'll take you through the US stats. No, I won't. I'll stick with the Australian stats to explain this. Um, when interest rates increase, like they have here, and the banks have you know, um, billions of dollars worth of uh, government bonds, well, ultimately, if they want to sell those bonds into the market, they're going to suffer a capital loss, right? So if they need to deploy that money and they need to sell down the bonds, they're not going to get what they paid for them. They're going to get a lot less. A lot, lot less. Now, the question is, for how long? Because if Jerome keeps on raising interest rates right now and continues to, to raise them, then in theory, the value of those bonds will actually drop further. So we're going to see more pressures on the, on the US banking system or pressures on the global banking system based on interest rates rising. Now, that's a very natural dynamic to happen at this point in time. And the hope is that banks are actually managing their duration risk. Um, I won't go into detail about what that is, but ultimately, it, at very high level, it's uh, how long they're committed to their bond portfolio. So if they've got a lot of 10-year bonds, it means that they've got investments that have got 10 years to go. If they're invested in one-year bonds, it means they've got investments with one year to go. But we want to look at this and see, well, how long is this problem likely to be around? And the best way to figure that out, because if, if interest rates continued to skyrocket back to where they used to be back in the days pre-Gough Whitlam, um, now look, that, that would be extraordinarily challenging uh, for banks and we would see some serious issues happening around the banking sector in the, in the globe. Um, very, very serious issues. But the data that we're looking at at the moment doesn't necessarily uh, lead us to that conclusion. So what happens is the media tell us about things that are going on today um, and to talk it up and ham it up and, and quite often talk about a very poor future into the future. Um, but ultimately, the market's not telling us that this is going to be as significant a problem as what it is right now. And the, what, the reason why I say that is markets are actually predicting that interest rates will actually 
plateau and come off rather than continue to go up, right? Now, we can't guarantee this, but this is, uh, I'm going to take you through the the five-year bond yield in Australia. And this is a a sort of a, a predictor by market forces of where they believe interest rates are going to go. Um, so as you can see here, over five years, we're just a little bit above 3%, which is off from the top. And we didn't quite get to the 4% here, right? So actually predicting that in five years' time, if you were to buy government bonds right now, five-year government bonds, you'd be paying a yield which is just a little bit over 3%, keeping in mind that the current rate, 36 so the five-year bond yields expecting it to come down. So what we do is we have a look at the bond yields and we go backwards in time. We go, well, what about two-year bond yields? Where is that sitting? Uh, it's almost in exactly the same place, just above 3%. Give me a why if you're following what I'm saying in the chat because this is going to go to your mortgage rates. It's also going to go to your confidence in the banking system. Um, and I'm also going to take you through how you can utilize some of this dynamic to better understand how you can get more money back into your pocket uh, when certain events happen. So if you want that, write a yes. Let me know that you guys are all still engaged and connected and as long as you're not driving a car. If you're driving the car, focus on driving the car. Right, so that was the two years and I went back a little bit further and look at the one year. So look at that. That's market. Thank you, Luke. Another Andrew in the house as well. Thank you, mate. Appreciate you guys participating, letting me know I'm not on the journey alone over here. Awesome. Alexis, who else have we got? We've got David in the house. Oh, yep, they're all coming through now. Magnificent. And thanks, Dave, as well. All right. So ultimately, market forces, not RBA setting the cash rate, none of that sort of stuff. Oh, thank you, team. Everyone's lighting up now. It's amazing. Everyone's on the journey. The market's really predicting here that within the next year, interest rates will in Australia will actually start to drop, right? Now, this has got nothing to do with the Fed right now, and I'm going to link the Fed back in a minute. But it says, you know, within the next 12 months, we expect market, uh, or sorry, the market expects, based on the bond yields, it expects the market to drop from a a high of just short of 4% to around about 3 right? That's still what's happening. So let's have a look at the U.S., Right, and then I'll bring it all together in a minute. The US current cash rate four point five eight percent. So the one month bond yield has it basically at the same amount, but you can even see the one month it's actually looking like going down a little bit. When we jump out to the one year, um, it's still above four percent, right? Because ultimately, what this is showing is it is. Over the one year, it expects it to basically peak out at around about 5%. Now, this is where Jerome Powell, thank you very much, has got that issue. Wonderful coffee. Mm. Sorry about the slurping noises. That's magnificent. Thank you, team. Um, So this is where Jerome has a bit of an issue, right? So there's this period of time in here, if we believe that the market's correct, um, that Jerome's got to make decisions whereby... In history, and this was back in the early 70s, uh, the Fed, who had been the the controller of US interest rates, um, almost got inflation under control and then so they they stopped, they tapered, so reduced um, raising interest rates. And what happened is all of a sudden inflation went bang and what happened, so inflation was going like this and then it curved off 
and so they lowered rates and then oh sorry they kept rates on hold and then inflation jumped again and so they raised rates and then it plateaued and then they plateaued and then and that went in this dynamic and it basically went from about four i think to about 13 percent. don't quote me on that but it went very very high um so the fed is unlikely to stop raising rates until it gets inflation under control so we're going to chat about inflation in a moment so this next period of time uh, for the next 12 months where the market believes interest rates are going to go up and go up to 5% and at the moment there that's another 0.5% rise, that's going to put more pressure on US banks, right? So you can expect to see a lot more and, and global banks as well. And we might even talk about a thing called contagion. And I don't mean about coughs and splutters contagion. I mean contagion in financial markets terms where defaulting of one institution rolls on to put pressure on others. Right, so this is where Jerome is going to have to make decisions and he may choose to make the decision to continue to raise rates, which means that the assets of banks will continue to fall. So that puts pressure on banks offshore. Right? And the US have shown that they'll, they'll look at bailing them out. But now let's have a look at the five-year bond yields. Um, and now we're starting to see a significant drop in where the market believes that they're going to be. Right? Now that's a little bit higher than 3.5%. Um, so ultimately it believes that the market believes that these interest rates are going to be transitory so the media talks about things that are happening right now today great but the question is how long is this issue because how long do we need to manage these liquidity crises or these insolvency ratios as they're called when the bank's theoretical value of their bond if they were to sell them in the market uh, is worth less because of interest rates whack it at you why if you're following me here it's a complex concept and um, i reckon you should tune into a wealth wine and wisdom one day uh, on a friday night listen to jason i if you're curious about it whack it in the chat where we can spend a few hours talking about it or an hour talking about it so let's have a look at this we know that the or we believe that the u.s um, will jerome won't want to stop raising interest rates until inflation's under control Right, because ultimately he doesn't want inflation to run rampant for the next five years. Uh, so he's really wanting to control that, and they control that via raising interest rates. So how has that affected interest rates over the last six months or so? Uh, sorry, how has that affected inflation? We can see this is the monthly inflation rate, so it looks back 12 months to see you know how much rates uh, inflation rates increased. So we've been up at 9.1%. The US targets are 2%. Right, right. So targets it to be down here, right, right where my head is, just above my head. So you can see that since May 2022, right, um, we've had a fairly significant decline, and this is really to December of the inflation rate actually coming off in the US. Now that's a great sign. That's a really, really great sign. Now. The question Jerome is going to have to ask himself and, and all of his team, it's not just him, but he's the scapegoat. Sorry, he's the chair. <laughs> um, he's going to have to make the decision, do we continue to raise rates um, and put pressure on the banks but potentially allow inflation to uh, pick back up again or do we allow and put pressure on the banks to pull, pull inflation back under control because it's working? Like that's a tick at the moment. What they're doing is actually working. Um, and that's the reason why I'd hate to be him right now. And hopefully he gets a lot more support. And he already is. There are a number of measures that are coming into the banking system over in the US to try and make sure that 
um, the liquidity and the the fundamental backing of the treasury securities uh, which the banks own uh, continue to stack up and um, and ultimately mean that the banks can continue to be solvent and trade well into the future. So this is the dynamic that the Fed in the US are looking at and this is what they're having to look at controlling. So the question, or really the what I put back to a lot of the media at the moment is, is a question is, well, a lot of what you're writing about is correct fundamentally in, well, some of what is being written about is correct at different layers. And the question is, how long is it going to last? And most of the indicators that we're looking at mean that, you know, intra- uh, inflation is coming off and interest rates will stabilise and look to um, even come down both in the US and Australia. That's the, what the data tells us. It's not always exactly what happens, but look, that's what the statistics look to tell us and what the market does. Right, so that's that's a little bit about why to be a shit position to be if you're a Jerome Powell right now. Tough position. Everyone's going to hate him anyway, so hopefully he makes good decisions. It's a pretty thankless job. We can talk about the, well, let, actually, just one more thing. You know, the reason ultimately that really I think that, you know, he's in this position as a result of himself is, and the reason why banks like Silicon Valley might have got caught out, I mean, they did mismanage their their banking and, um, you know, fundamentally break a lot of the 101 banking rules of diversification and duration management and things of that nature. But um, ultimately, as the Fed is usually quite consistent uh, in times in the pandemic, and so did the Reserve Bank of Australia. I think the, one of the fundamental flaws or errors that they made was that they gave the indication that rates were going to remain low for an incredibly long period of time. Now, both of them did it. I'd almost argue that one probably did it because of the other. Now, you can try and figure out who that was, whether it was um, <laughs> whether it was on our side or whether it was Powell. Uh, I know which bet I'd take. But, uh, but ultimately, that statement right there is where if you believe that you could buy longer-term bonds and believe that you were going to have them very secure over a reasonable period of time, that's one of the fundamental mistakes, I think, personally, I think that they made uh, in their announcements during the pandemic. So let's bring it home to you guys, and then I'll let everyone get into their day. Hopefully, you guys uh, have learned a little bit about what it might be to be the, uh, the chair of the Fed. Not a great role right now, as I said. Um, but how can we take advantage of these types of movements over time? And you might have seen this chart. I know Jason and I have spoken ad nauseum about this over time. What we've got here is the RBA official cash rate, whoops, in red down the bottom here. Right, uh, I might move that a little bit to the side. There we go. Then um, the blue line, right, and this is an interesting period of time. Uh, let me ask you this. Who can tell me why the blue line, which is the standard mortgage home loan rate, and the green line, the discounted variable rate, who can tell me how, how these two came into existence? Be interested to know. Whack it in the chat. Um, so I'll talk to them a little bit. The standard variable rates. Uh, well, let's have a look at the correlation. All right, so the co-relationship between the red line and the blue and green. And what I'm looking for over time, have they stayed closer together or have they moved further apart? What does it look like? So they started They started off at one point in time, the gap between them was, uh, well, it's not very much. But let's have a look at these gaps here and what I'm talking about of the gaps here. Have they become smaller 
or have they increased? Alexis, 100%. They have, uh, sorry, Lexi, they're further apart. And what this dynamic is, as the as the Reserve Bank of Australia lowered rates, and if you're listening to Jason or I, um, we were saying, yep, 100%, Alison, they've increased. So what happened was as interest rates dropped, you'll probably remember this, they said, uh, oh, Reserve Banks have dropped their interest rates and they passed on, you know, um, 50% of that rate drop. Right now, every time the cash rate dropped, the banks made more. Show me the what? Show me the money. The banks made more money as their interest rates dropped because let's just say the interest, the cash rate dropped by 0.5%. The bank might have passed on 0.25%. All right. So, what we had over a period of time, if you were loyal to your bank, then ultimately, and you didn't press them to get a better rate, then ultimately the bank profited more and more off your position over time by your apathy or your desire not to do the paperwork, whatever it was, or maybe you didn't know to do it. Um, But if you didn't, ultimately the distance between the two rates got further and further apart, which meant that the banks were making money, making more money as the interest rates were dropping. So number one thing, don't be loyal to a bank unless you have to be. Uh, make sure that you're always ringing up and trying to haggle for the best interest rate discount that you can possibly get. So coming back, nobody got the the answer to this one over here, which was why did the two diverge, the blue and uh, green? Ultimately, what happened was APRA came in and um, and there was a there was an inquiry and they they brought in this thing called responsible lending, and the gap between the two meant that uh, on a risk basis they said. Potentially, investment lending is more risky and they wanted to curb it. So what they did is they created an investment loan rate and a principal place of residence loan rate effectively. So penalizing property investors uh, out there, which meant that you got a higher interest rate if you're investing for, uh, sorry, if you had a loan for investment purposes. That's fundamentally what the difference of the two lines are. So... What happens when rates go up? Well, look at these lines. They literally go up pound for pound together, right? If the if the cash rate is risen by 0.5 basis points, the banks are going to put push the rise straight through because if they don't, they're going to what? They're going to lose money. However, if we take notice of this, right, these dynamics and we look at, well, if we look over the horizon, we go, yes, uh, for those of you who listen to Jace uh, each morning and, and us on Wealth, Wine and Wisdom every Friday, uh, you'll already be in a position where you're building your buffers to, to cater for rising interest rates. What will happen is interest rates plateau when they plateau um, and then when they start to fall, this is when you should be going back into the banks, looking for your discounts, looking for them to sharpen the pencil because ultimately that same dynamic will likely play out, but just in a slightly different way. So some of the things that you should be planning now is going, okay, well, while rates are while rates are rising, make sure that you've got the sharpest rate that you can in the market, and you can always look to try and get sharper sharper rates. But as interest rates plateau, and then as they start to decrease, this is where you need to be onto your banks, onto your brokers, and make sure that your position is one of the sharpest that you can get. So get prepared for it. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of time, when, where. That's the hard part to figure out. Uh, hopefully, that the market is right. 
uh, and that this is going to get under control within the you know, foreseeable future. Uh, certainly, I'd, we'd, we'd love it to be that way over here. Um, support Jerome in his decisions or don't, whatever you want to, uh, but he's got some tough choices to make right now. But ultimately, uh, he'll be making them understanding as well that the market believes that that position is going to change because it's already working, as you can see here, uh, and ultimately, they're going to really ask themselves, all right, what is the issue of interest rates going up and how much pressure is that going to put on the banking system from a liquidity perspective? No doubt they'll figure out some measures to try and protect the banking system from that. Um, there may be some, uh, some, some blood along the way from mismanagement because at times like now, if you mismanage your risk, um, you can become very vulnerable and that's one of the key things here uh, is that uh, banks hopefully have been managing their risk well. Out in Australia, we've got the four pillars policy. We've got some of the strongest banks in the world. Very, very different landscape out here than what it is in the US. So if you try and put the lens of the US over on the lens of Australia, it's not going to work. Silly thing to do. Um, totally different system and we need to look at it in a very, very, very different way and perhaps we'll get into that another week. But uh, Team, understand these things come over periods of time. We, are, we already know where the market believes the interest rates are going and all of you would have already planned your buffers according uh, and making sure that you're managing your money with that in mind. But also understand that over the other side of it are opportunities to take advantage of potential rate drops in the future and make sure that you're on the money when, the, when that happens because likely the banks aren't going to pass it straight on. They're going to make you work for it. So, team. Hopefully, that's given you a bit of insight into some of the statistics. I know it's a bit boring to start a Monday talking about inflation data and interest rate data, but there was so much on about the banks over the course of the weekend and, uh, and in every newspaper. I thought that it's prudent to at least put the statistics out there so that you can make more informed decisions or at least understand that these things are potentially a little bit more transient. We're not locked into an interest rate rising environment you know, for the next 10 years, at least hopefully not. That would be quite challenging if we were, but all things are pointing to you know, interest rates either stabilizing or coming back down. We can see that this is working. You're probably feeling uh, in many ways that this is working. And what I mean is that, you know, inflation is starting to come under uh, under um, under wraps because the cost of things have gone up. People are going to stop spending as much. I know that I felt it on the weekend as well uh, and, uh, and most likely we all will. So you will feel it, you will see it, and this is how to manage it over time. So team, remember, put some points in the diary for your mortgage checks. I think that everyone should every single year review their mortgages. If there's one key takeaway that you take from this morning is whack it in the diary, put it into your calendar, put a yearly reminder in and make sure that every year you check it out and that you make sure that you've got the best rate that you possibly can out there. Otherwise, it's the good stuff. Mr. Wineman, thank you, mate. Stay cool. I thought, I thought you were saying something about wine in the morning uh, there, mate, and I was thinking, no, no, it's just coffee. But for now, gang, hopefully you're off to a, a flyer of a week. Uh, we've got another person who's going to be running a couple of these sessions later on in the week, so stay tuned to uh, the, the amazing Sammy Saggers coming on and dropping some nuggets of gold. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow morning. Uh, for Jace, mate, hopefully all is well over there uh, in Japan. And uh, hopefully I'll bring you an update from Jace tomorrow. I'll make sure that he sends one through to us. So for now, team, have a wonderful week and we'll see you tomorrow for another Wealth Coffee Chat. Have a great week.